Hey everybody, I'm Jimmy. And I'm Eva. And this is Constant Agitation, your weekly podcast where we talk about photography, cameras, other things, our favorite photographers. And we answer your questions when you send them on Instagram. Uh, you can also reach us by email. Everything, as usual, is in the show notes uh, and in the links below. Especially if you're listening to the audio version of this show. You can also look at the photos with us. We always link to all the galleries that we get uh, the photos from mm -hmm. whenever we're talking about a photographer or if it's a news piece you can also find the link mm -hmm. there as well how are you doing i'm all right i am being uh, um, a bit uh, upset with my computer <laughs> yeah <laughs> last minute thing uh, i am very upset actually are you be, are you able to uh, monitor on your side uh now it seems to be working yeah but right. uh, so what happened with your computer i decided to a long overdue upgrade to the operating system mm -hmm. from uh, what was in mojave I, s I skipped Catalina and I upgrade now to Big Sur mm -hmm. and the upgrade went okay. Everything went fast, no problem. But now half of my apps are not working. Uh, Safari is not loading pages whatsoever. And Firefox is also giving me a little bit of a trouble loading things. And then the things are super slow and I don't know what's happening. Apparently people had to ditch Safari completely and I used to use Safari all the time. So... Um, I don't know. And my internet speed has dropped by 30 megabits per second. So. Yeah, I hope it, this this thing doesn't affect the stream today. I, I hope And we not, can no. be on a two-episode streak where the stream doesn't drop off. Uh, so we feel sure, confident so. enough to kind of go yeah. back to having guests. But, um, yeah, I mean, it just happened right before the stream. I didn't have to, uh, I didn't have time to look at it and inspect no. it. It's just, yeah. I might be able to solve the issue with my superpowers. Apparently, I just, whenever I stand next to a computer, it's where it works. It, it doesn't if it's my computer. It only works if it's somebody else's, which is convenient for others, not necessarily for me. Yeah, I, I don't understand. I mean, I should have not chose out Tuesday to do this anyway, but... Uh I was a little bit upset with my old system as well. So. Ah, it's all right. It's all right. Ah, the technology. Other than that? <laughs> Very good. I'm, I'm good this week. It's yeah. been nice. A little bit hot for my taste. but Especially today. Like So today is basically all the... What is the opposite of fun? Uh, boring? No. <laughs> all the bad stuff about the summer without any of the fun. Yes. Because it's really, really hot and it's overcast at the same time. So it's really lovely. We have a fan running right over there. So if you hear that noise, sorry, but we had to stay alive and, and the do the show. And the door is open the also. Door, so. every, all the windows are open. <laughs> the fan is running and I'm still sweating like a pig. So <laughs> sorry for that mental image if you're listening. Uh, I do look fresh, I believe, on the camera. As yeah. fresh as I can be, mm -hmm. at least. Hi, everybody in the chat. So happy to have you with us, as always. Um, okay, so... Should we should we start should, should I explain what was going on this week? I'll yeah. go for it. All right. So you go first. So I have um, I have the AirPods, the AirPods Pro, these ones, right? And I was sitting browsing YouTube, and somebody said uh, somebody uploaded a video. Uh, one of my favorite tech YouTubers, which I can't remember who it was now. Have He's not a Nazi. No, uh, the other guy. I have uh, many of these. What did you say? say Nazi. Snazzy. Snazzy. Snazzy Labs. No, it's no. not Snazzy. It was the other Jonathan something. Anyways, yeah. besides the point. <laughs> uploaded a video uh, talking about the AirPods that they got a like a superpower, basically. Like no. a free upgrade. Uh, and if you update it to the new iOS system. Special. Yeah. You get this Dolby. 
special uh, audio. Special audio has been in it before. Dolby Atmos. Yeah. yeah so Dolby, Dolby Atmos. Atmos is the new thing, which is like special audio for your music library. Yeah. So I already use Apple Music. Eva is a Spotify gang. Um, yeah, up to last week. <laughs> yeah. Now she made the switch. She also got her own AirPods. Anyway, so <laughs> I don't know how from there, from that point, like I was browsing these new tracks that were like supposed to be remixed to work with Dolby Atmos. Um, and they sound really good. Amazing. Quick review, like yeah. super quick review. It's really, it's really good. It, it, like my, it's very immersive. My yeah. music experience suddenly, just with a software update, got a lot better. Yeah. And we did some comparisons with the Spotify and it's way better. Like she canceled her subscription. <laughs> and so um, anyways, somehow from that point, I realized that I have this Apple TV subscription. So Apple TV is two things. It's confusing. It's a, it's a hardware yeah. Where is the software as well? Right? Yeah. So it's basically the, probably familiar with the black box that you hook up your TV mm -hmm. to. That's the normal Apple TV. There is something called Apple TV Plus, which is basically Netflix from Apple. Yeah, it's a subscription based. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So they produce their own shows. They have some other shows. I think they incorporated a lot of things. So like you can use use the app to watch um, Disney if you have Disney subscription. Yeah. Your old li uh, iTunes library, if you purchased any movies or shows, they whatever, will mm -hmm. they'll be there. You can still buy or rent movies, but you can also stream Apple series now. And I was, you know, <laughs> I was a bit uh, suspicious about it when I first... Oh, hesitant, yeah. yeah like. But uh, I realized that I have already have the free subscription because I applied for it when, I when, when it first came out. And I completely forgot about it, right? <laughs> and I realized that like seven days left. It's been a month ago since I got the subscription. I think I got a, f a full year for free and never used it, right? And mm -hmm. now I realize, oh, it's going to expire in a few days. So I wasted my whole week binging series, right? That's why I didn't do anything this week. <laughs> I just binged. And I can tell you two things. I love procrastination. Procrastination. And I have um, watched a lot of series in the past <laughs> week. So I get... Uh, I watched like about half of them. Yeah. So we started with a light one, like a, a comedy. Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso. Yeah. I really like Jason Sudeikis. And in the, in the series, I don't know if you're familiar with SNL, but there's this skit that I love. It's called What Up With That. Yeah. And <laughs> you should go watch that. If, you're, if you love like absolutely stupid stuff, you should go watch that. If you're not... If your sense of humor is more complicated, forget about that skit. Anyways, we watched that series. It was really fun. Like, it was a really enjoyable series. Yeah. And from there, I binged, like, five more. Eva is trying to keep up. She has a lot of work to do. Um, but here's here's why I want to talk about this whole thing. <laughs> now, now here comes the right? highlight. I've been, I've been rambling, but there is something important. Trust me. For all of you, I yeah. mean, it's not significant, but it's cool, right? <laughs> So the thing is, there's the series called uh, For All Mankind. Why are you laughing? <laughs> because I always think of a different name. What is it? For All Human No, kind? All for Humankind. All for Humankind. <laughs> That's how you say it. All for Humankind. <laughs> yeah. So it's called For All Mankind. And it's, about, it's really cool. I'm not going to spoil it for you. I'm no. just going to give you the synopsis. Uh, so it's basically uh, imagining an alternative timeline from the Apollo mission days. Mm -hmm. uh, so Apollo program so like you know going to space rockets all that stuff so it's just uh, it it starts keeping with history I think yeah like basically Apollo in the first 10, episode 
and then it deviates so it imagines an alternative Something timeline else happens, so it's, it's really cool because it's like basically fiction that is rooted in reality and it's really well done mm-hmm. the cool thing about it <laughs> it has so many cameras because yes. it's a, like a timepiece. Uh, they, you can see on it, like they're going following astronauts and public figures and that stuff. And you know, there's a lot of media and photographers and yeah. all. And I mean, the information coming from the missions also it was based on cameras, right? Of course, like, yeah. So. Like you know, everybody knows about the moon Hasselblads. You see them; they make a they make a cameo. Yeah, a lot of nice. cameras. So if you if you for anything just watch it for the camera stuff and i think they purposefully like they're well selected i yeah. think so like that one morning i wake up to start working and making my coffee and then jimmy looks at me he's like so many cameras and i'm like what are you talking about it's like in the series there's so many cameras i'm like what is like yeah you will see because I, I only had seen one episode so. and i was saying like uh, everybody's blaming youtubers about jacking up the prices of the cameras it's probably these hollywood studios <laughs> paying whatever people ask it's like okay I, I i guess i can sell it for a double now you know hollywood is show, right? yeah <laughs> and all kinds of cameras like super 8 video cameras really cool mm-hmm. really well done Dolly's yeah. and, yeah. and nikon's and yeah it's, they're so cool so if anything just watch it for the cameras but it's also you. very well made like very well filmed and yes like the series are well made mm-hmm. so they're enjoyable yeah in their own right very nice mm-hmm um but yeah that's what i want to say about that uh anything else uh, we were planning to say in like um summary of the week summary of the week i, I have uh, been pretty busy with work i deliver some sessions everyone was very happy with their their photos i guess this was definitely one of your busiest weeks in terms of photography like since, since the beginning of the year yeah i mean now that the good weather started to come up people are started to get vaccinated and more tourists are coming i suspect that it might be like that which is it's kind of good because yeah it's, uh, it's nice to uh, to to like you know sometimes you go through periods where you don't feel like grabbing your camera mm-hmm. but then i feel like you know, being having to do it because it's a job uh, is still is still good as well. You yeah. know, and man, it keeps you fresh with the camera, and maybe it will because you're you're being put in that situation where you take where you're taking these photos. You might think, oh, now I'm free to take anything I want. Like yeah. when I, whenever you're done with the shoot, and you feel like, oh yeah, now I can take my own photos. Actually, the other day when I I explained last week when I was doing this surprise engagement, I was hanging around and taking some photos before the shoot. Mm-hmm. Just like, and I think some of the photos I took of the plants have potential. Mm. I think I need to see how I edit them because I'm not so used you to it. You haven't editing. shown me those. No, I have mm, to see how sneaky, what I do sneaky. with them. <laughs> right. All right. So um, you want to jump into the first question? Well, the only question we got this week. Yeah. Let's sure. do it. Uh, and Tim is here with us, and it's your question, Tim. According to you, what is the first new uh, quote film? End quote. Is that how you say it? Mm, this is parentheses. Uh, parentheses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I've declared it many times. I can't read. Uh, so, according to you, what is the first thing? Uh, the first thing new photographers should do, and a parentheses film. Mm-hmm. All right. So. What do you think? I, I think so. I think we should answer this question. Um, br- at least for me, because here's okay, I'm gonna start. Yeah, sure, go All ahead. Right. <laughs> right. So, I think th- ideally, 
maybe don't start with film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we've talked about this. You know, we, we, yeah, I think I mentioned it before. And look, if you only can start with film, like if you don't necessarily want to, if you don't have the budget to buy two cameras, Uh, because you don't really need like the most expensive, fanciest digital camera. You just need any manual digital camera, and like you can pick them up almost for free. Like if you mm -hmm. get a crop sensor from, you know, five, ten years ago, that is like an entry level. It's gonna be almost free. Uh, so, I think um, learning to shoot. Uh, You know, learning the settings, learning the exposure triangle, learning mm -hmm. the relationship between aperture, shutter speed, and ISO. That's the most important thing uh, when it comes to gear, mm -hmm. right? And you can also skip that part completely <laughs> and just go with a point and shoot. There is nothing wrong with that. You can pick a point and shoot, and then maybe if you want to shoot film later, also continue with the point and shoot. And you can be just a wizard with framing, without necessarily knowing how the camera is setting it up, as long as you know your camera. Mm -hmm. so And every camera is going to be different. So like when, when your camera is metering uh, in a certain way, not every other camera is going to be the same. So every camera is going to have its quirks, and you learn as you go. That's why I say learn with digital, at least mm -hmm. in the beginning, because you could try without wasting a lot of money. And if you're new to this whole photography thing, I'm not going to say hey, go and like develop your own film to save up more money. If you really want to start with film, I would say start with black and white. Mm -hmm. Learn how to develop yourself if you want to cut down on cost. Mm -hmm. um, and there's so many resources online that you can learn. Uh, there's many ways that you can attack this whole thing. Like um, stuff, something like the Cinestill Monobath. It's super easy. Super, super It's easy. not super recommended, but it's <laughs> really convenient. So you buy two things and that, and you're good to go. You buy your developer and your tank and you're done. Whenever your developer dies, you buy more. Otherwise, you go something like Rodinol and Fixer. So you just, super easy. You, know, you just buy two bottles instead of one. And the dark bag. You don't have. You don't really need a dark bag. I mean, if you have a dark room, of course not. You don't. Need, if you can squeeze yourself <laughs> into a closet, you're good to go. That's how I started. I know. I'd be hurt, like you know. Uh, yeah. How do you say, like? Uh, yeah, I hunch over the film. You close know, everything. Close put the door. Somewhere. Put some tape on the seams. Put and some blankets over you. Yeah, go under a blanket. <laughs> it should be all right. Um, but uh, you know, that's if you really want to cut down on cost. Mm -hmm. A dark bag is really useful for many things mm. um oh i missed something from chris uh, this is going back to the first part of the conversation i check in series and films about cameras in there many times there are mistakes time users yeah yeah actually now that i'm thinking about it i wonder if they nailed that i mean Yeah. I mean the Hasis, I think because the, the 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 timeline was starting from like 68 69 yeah. and forward. Mm -hmm. So most of the cameras that were there they were the invented by The ones I saw at least they were like the type of camera that you could see in that yeah. situation either with the photographers that are official photographers of NASA and of course the ones in the moon when they have them like hanging in their in their um, necks. And also, I saw a Rolleiflex, 
Yeah, so the, DLR, which yeah, is also from there. the 50s. The Nikon, actually, that one we saw a bit later on the mm -hmm. timeline, which also makes sense. Mm -hmm. So I didn't see anything that I could just say, oh, this is bloodily wrong, you mm -hmm. know. Also, the Super 8s that were there, I think they were also used then, or at least like you know, the video cameras. Mm -hmm. But I don't know, like I would have to stop and then check the models and stuff like that. I know you're dying to say something about the series, about one of the, about this, the the cool thing. In this. I don't know gonna say it because I want people to watch it. Yeah, yeah, there's something really cool. So watch that and then we can talk about it. <laughs> yes. Uh, CM, according to YouTube, first thing, buy a Leica M6 and shoot portrait for it. That's why I was smiling earlier yeah, when yeah. I was talking. I saw that comment. Uh -huh. um, I, yeah, maybe maybe it's sad but true uh but yeah you don't need any fancy equipment again like just you know you don't my experience is going to be different than your experience is going to be different than her experience and by that i mean what what makes you want to shoot what makes you want to have fun you know what do you want to learn also? here's the thing would you take the rz for a street walk like a photo walk would I take it? Yeah, would it be uh, would ever your first choice? No. Never? No. Right? It's too heavy. It is heavy and it is impractical for yeah. the, in that regard. I really love it. I really... It's one of my favorite street cameras. Here, I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I know. And it doesn't make any sense. I don't mind the weight of it. And uh, I'm not flexing on Eva that I'm stronger. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> a little bit. But, uh, you know, it's uh, for me, I have it. And I really enjoy it, and that's why I take it with me. Um, and for you, it's going to be something different. And on some days, you know, I will take a lighter camera. Some days. And, you know, I've been, we've been collecting these cameras for years now, so that's why we have the options. And we want to. You know, for the longest time, I didn't want to collect cameras. I wanted one camera. And then he met me, and kind then, of. <laughs> yeah, well, we started collecting before, and then you we met me. each other, and it blew up completely. Um <laughs> That was crazy. I had stopped, you know, before I met you. <laughs> yeah. So here's the thing. Cool that Tim is here with us because he's the one who asked the question. Uh, he's saying, I'd argue shooting film is so unforgiving that it's better teacher than digital. Yeah. So I agree with that. Uh, but I should, I would also say that if you don't have the financial means, uh, then, uh, you know, or you don't have maybe the, if you live in a country where there is no film, or there is no labs to develop the film, there you have no access for chemistry, then what do you do, you know? Um, I was talking to this guy um, a few weeks back uh, from Iran, and he was telling me the prices of film are insane. insane, you know, over there for whatever reason. And so, you know, for him, it was like a really, like he had to save up a lot of money mm -hmm. in order to start his film journey. Um, and so, you know, not everybody can do that, and you know why stop shooting if and but again yeah if if i would if you really want to start with film i would say get something like um something like a what's DSLR. it called zeiss econ um you know the folder cameras the, ah, ones, the, old, the, ones, the yeah. old ones get one of those uh six by nine six by seven um and shoot medium format if you really want to learn if you really want to keep track of your shots and if you're, uh, you know, like me and I can't keep track of 36 shots, I will, I will shoot eight six by nine photos. I will write them down. Maybe eight photos. I will remember exactly what settings I used. And, you know, you can bracket a roll of 120. 
uh, much easier than you know bracketing 36 shots um, you can buy your bulk loader and load 10 shots at a time or whatever you want but again now you see the money starts to add up you know the cost starts to add up as you're going mm. into this and if you have the means go for it you know whatever way you'll get everything but uh, if not and you don't want to clutter your place a lot of people who are listening might be young mm -hmm. they might still be living like they might be teenagers still living with their parents uh, i talked to a teenager recently on discord and they were complaining that uh, their parents do not allow them to shoot film because it's they think it's stupid and uh, that uh, they already have a digital yeah. camera so they have to do it in secret whenever they get a f like shoot a film they have to hide it and then they have to secretly send it and, like take it to the lab and bring it back so you know we, so it depends on the circumstances mm. um so yeah but i agree with you tim in the sense that because it's unforgiving it's gonna enforce discipline on you but mm -hmm. if you don't have the means or if you have some personal discipline um you can teach yourself how to use your digital camera like a film camera it's yeah. basically the same you know deactivate burst mode and be more intentional try to uh, i gave this advice before on the show try to set um the settings before you read the meter meaning mm -hmm. use the meter uh, i think um what was the quote uh Which one? <laughs> the, the one about the meter that was a funny one. Oh, i don't remember now like uh -huh. the meter sometimes you use the meters no, the meter uses you, yeah. <laughs> yeah so don't let the meter use you you use the meter understand the settings you know be intentional with the, with the way you're setting them up that's why the first thing i said learn the exposure triangle but again I, i'm i'm sure there are a lot of amazing photographer who really didn't bother with that mm -hmm. you know i've seen a lot of iphone photographers that are doing great work now the iphone you don't really need to know that but i think you can't it, even control it it's something that if you are interested in photography comes sooner or later something that you learn sooner or later because i don't really see anybody that you know starts with the iphone and they only use the iphone forever from that moment on and they are not interested in learning something more about photography oh, you know yeah. in some of the discourse we have people that are like yeah they swear by iphone photography and still they like talking about photography and other things gear so i think it will come with time yeah but i don't think it's necessary, no, it's not necessary. i don't want to argue yeah. too much about mm -hmm. this but i don't think it is like it's definite it's yeah. a, it's you have a, to know it in order to be a good photographer or take good photos or do good work yeah, yeah. chris here is saying a uh, six four five or six by four five pre after work cameras are great and give 16 exposures on 120 film i love my simple pre-war says icon very small too and yeah. this is one of the ones i want to get yeah. because we were thinking about getting a says icon i was like six by nine we already have the fuji um six by six we have already the mamilla and the roliflex mm -hmm. six by eight is a bit of a weird format and i think a six four five i would really like to find a good condition one yeah i mean again whatever you find if you're starting out these folder cameras are really good uh the six by six what is it called the mamilla six the, the original six, one yeah. it's a really good camera Zeiss Icon, there's so many different so many, ones. So, and so many different years also. Yeah, and, you know, check those out, um, whatever you can find, you know. 
uh, just make sure that you can find film for it. So make sure it's a 120 film exactly, camera. Exactly, not like a 126 or something like Yeah, that. there are different formats that mm -hmm. you can still use, but it's going to cost you more. It's going to be a lot of hassle. And just focus on learning how to use your gear. Uh, focus on learning how to read light. Uh, focus on learning how to compose. Mm -hmm. uh, look at paintings, look at photographs, get inspired I by was, whatever you like. I was about to comment on that because if if I answer that question honestly, I think one of the first things that a new photographer should do mm -hmm. is to learn what they like by looking at other things. So have a good understanding of what is it that caught your attention, what is it the, the type of work that you wish of doing or, or you aim are doing. I think that's also not just like shoot aimlessly at everything, which is another approach. But for me, it is important. I think it's valuable that from the very beginning, you start thinking about what is it that I want? What is it that I like? Why do I find this photograph so beautiful and attractive and this one I don't care about? Mm -hmm. Even though it might be a really good photograph for someone else. Mm -hmm. Try to get to know yourself. That, that I, I think is really important. And I think that actually has helped me a lot. Yeah. Uh, Uno is saying learn the sunny 16 rule good advice uh, we talked about it mm -hmm. before and if you don't know what it is well next time you buy film crack open the box and read uh, the instruction normally, yeah. Yeah. they tell you how to use the film and that's basically the sunny 16 rule uh, we talked about it previously on the podcast for mm -hmm. a long time we even talked about how to use like a night version of it so the night 1.8 no uh, 90.16 no I think I <laughs> called it the night 1.8 yeah that's true <laughs> and there are resources in that episode as well uh -huh. that you can use to uh, better do it. Um, I have somebody new, yeah. at least for the first time I see this name, Mark. Hey, Mark, finally is saying, uh, finally got a Fuji GSW 690. Any tips or tricks besides the video you posted? Uh, well, um, I don't know. I I might have missed something in, in that video. Uh, I I would say that the uh, the way to end the time exposure, you don't always have to um, wind. You can also end the exposure using one of the settings knobs. Uh, I think is the uh, the, the, shutter, the shutter one. I think yeah. both close it yeah. actually, but you can try with no film in the camera. Uh, it, the only way it will fire if you have the back open. So open the back, wind it, set it to T, and then take a photo you will see it open mm -hmm. and then see um, if it, it if it will end the exposure by turning any of the aperture ring or the shutter speed ring i think that's super handy especially if you have a stable hand that you don't move the camera too much you just click and then yeah. it will stop the exposure B blocking it is always ideal e either way you decide to end the exposure so always try to block it uh, but uh, it's ending the exposure with one of the rings is going to be much quicker than doing it with the uh, with the lever. Mm -hmm. I like using the lever because it's right there. So mm -hmm. I can just put the hat and <laughs> do it. Uh, but yeah, uh, do you think any... Do you, you've been using it for a while. Do you have any tips? Uh, well, apart from that, vi the review video is really good. But then the follow-up with the using the panorama, it's also super nice. So yeah. in case they, you haven't checked it out, Mark, there is a video about how to do panorama using 135 in the Fuji 690, mm -hmm. which is really nice. It's another way of shooting with it. Yeah. And no. I think the, the cool thing about that, that video, about the Panorama one, is that uh, even though I missed something, because I don't have a four-set adapter, there is a way that you can load the film into another canister, basically. Yeah. Uh, which is cool, uh, but you don't have, you know, like, you know, I always have the dark bag with me, so I don't have a problem winding it back mm -hmm. manually. 
But the cool thing about that video is pretty long uh, is that you can use a, you can make a mask. Mm -hmm. So if you're interested in doing Panorama, make sure you watch the whole thing, even though it's long, because the way I, I don't know how I edited it, but uh, there's a point where you can make a mask with it. There are chapters also. Yeah, so you, so can, you can see, like you can see in Panorama. And it really feels like a different camera. I tested it with uh, Eva and uh, yeah. another friend of ours. Yeah. And whenever they put it to uh, to their eye, they check it again. Like the first time they did it, <laughs> you and uh, Lucia, Lucia yeah. uh, she, uh, they both turned the camera to check if it's the same one because it really works. Like you really look and it's panorama. Yeah, it's, it's actually very helpful to do a masking like that. And it's really cool. But apart, apart from that, I, I really like the camera. I heard some people saying that that the bright the patch finder the range finder was is small and it's difficult to focus no issues with me whatsoever yeah. is the, is the brightest viewfinder i have think i work with maybe i'm used to working with very crappy cameras i, I would tell you this uh compared to something like the leica m6 yeah uh, it's th that one has a better patch um but uh, i haven't owned one uh i i don't usually like range finders uh, I just like the Fuji 6.9 because it has an amazing lens um, and it doesn't cost as much as a crazy Leica. I think uh, one thing that I realized for me took me a little while to get used to is that the lens covers a bit the viewfinder. Yeah. which is a part that you are also going to see in your photo. Mm. So try to teach your brain not to pay attention to that little part of the lens that you're gonna see and just focus on the other lines to compose your shot mm -hmm. and the lines that you see on the viewfinder are very true to life yeah, with the it, photo it that adjusted. you are actually getting after so it's amazing that even though you are not seeing through the lens what you get on your film is incredibly close in composition to what you see on the mm -hmm. viewfinder because i was doing some shots that were like very symmetrical and very, you know, structure-wise. You, like you like remember it. where you cut it off. Basically. Exactly. I remember where I cut it off and how I was composing. And then I was surprised to see when I saw the photo mm. that it was really what I wanted to get. Mm. So try it not to get too hung up on seeing the lens there and that the lines might not be with really what you get. It's really spot on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that's it. I mean, uh, if you have any questions, you can always DM me or, you mm -hmm. know, uh, send an email or type again here yes. if you join us next sure. week and i hope you enjoy and you have good uh, good fun with it it's a really fun camera remember remember that it's double stroke it's a so you, if it's especially a if you want to capture the shot quickly always double stroke it's one of my favorite big cameras yeah it, it's, it's really cool super nice um yeah so uh how about we jump into uh Some photography jean um, laurent jean laurent yeah, yeah. Uh, sounds french right it does. Yeah, I mean, he was born in France, but he's uh, known as a Spanish photographer. I actually had no clue about this photographer, and I, I, I thought to bring it up here just because of a thing that is kind of very curious and cool. Well, actually, two things that I learned about him. So it turns out uh, through some work, some side work that I do, I'm going to be involved in the organization of an exhibition about one of the very important scientists from Spain, Ramón y Cajal. He got a Nobel uh, Prize, and they're going to make an exhibition about his work in the Nobel Museum here in Stockholm, and I'm going to be involved in that. And thanks to that, I got to meet some uh, curators of exhibitions from Spain that came to Sweden to work together with us into making this exhibition. And the meeting was supposed to go about this scientific exhibition, but we ended up talking much more about art and photography than we ended up talking about science. And I got to know about this particular 
author because they uh, they curated an exhibition about his work recently back in Spain. And also because he shot a lot in Granada, which is the city where I studied. So we're talking about where have we been living in Spain. And I love photography. And it's like, oh, do you know about uh, uh, J. Labrent? And I'm like, what? Who is like, yeah, there's a guy that he used to have his carriage and go around taking photos. And the carriage would be actually the camera, but it would also be the lab where everything would get developed. I'm like, what? And I was like, yeah, yeah, Google it. And I was like, there, Googling it. And it was so cool to see. I think you can see now in the in the screen that he had this walking lab that would take around the city and would take around Spain. And this is all in the 1800s. He actually passed away before the turn of the century. So very early on, a pioneer in photography in Spain that will do wet colorion plate of a lot of famous people. Apparently he was coined as the photographer of the queen or things like that. And he photographed a lot of the royalty and the very important people back in Spain in the 1800s, but also a lot of architectural photography as well. So there is a, a huge archive of buildings and, and city parts that they don't even exist anymore. So mm. that's what the exhibition that they did was about. And yeah, this you are seeing here is the, um, the carriage. And then reading a little bit about his story, he was one of the first persons together with another photography photographer on pat patenting a paper based, based on colorion, but that was a positive, direct positive instead mm -hmm. of negative. It's called leptographic paper, mm -hmm. but it went anywhere, nowhere, because it was one of these things that when they come up, suddenly something else a little bit better comes into the picture and then the other things get forgotten. So it was by the middle of the 1800s and then... Yeah, in the late 1800s, it kind of the popularity of using these papers rose, but then suddenly the gelatin printing out and developing papers came about, so people forgot about the colorium-based mm. uh, papers. But he was the first on patenting this kind of photographic process. That's so cool. So it's uh, really nice to see that, the, you know, this actually came from Spain, which Spain is not very well known for a lot of photography things out there. So, um, so yeah, it's... Uh, he. I don't know, I think it's just so cool that he went out around with this camera box. It is. It's uh, similar to the, uh, what, what, what was it called? Brenda Barry. No, 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 no. The, uh, what is it called? We talked about it before. The camera that you do the whole thing inside is basic Afghan, Afghan box. box. Mm -hmm. Do you know which one predated the other? Uh, I actually don't know. I can maybe do a quick, quick search. Yeah, I was hoping this link, that, because you just sent me this link right before we we start. And um, I was hoping there was more photos on it. There's not so many photos. I don't think there are so many photos online. I couldn't find. I found mostly of the, because he also did a lot of photos of old paintings. So mm, kind of like for copy, copy for kind of archival purposes and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Um, my internet is not working. Again. So it's all right. Don't I worry. actually don't know what date the Afghan box, but it's a bit different because this was all like colorion web plate. So. Mm -hmm. I don't know, the Afghan box, I think, at least the p things I read about it is uh, other processes. I don't know if it can also yeah. be adapted for a I wonder if he stuck his head inside. He was fully inside, I think. He goes inside. I think so. Like a dark bag, that the same way it traps around your your wrist, yeah, your right. forearm, <laughs> or goes around your waist. Um yeah, because I don't know how, I've never worked with Collodion, never really looked into it. I don't mm -hmm. know how sensitive it is. 
if you can like kind of sneak in there uh, mm. without really um, you know overexposing the the, the plate uh, but yeah that was a really cool finding and next up we should jump into uh, how about we jump into the work of Harry, Harry Callahan sorry I'm losing my voice Harry Callahan yes I think we can move on to mm. talk about him any right. questions in the chat no okay great and so, uh, yeah, what do you have to tell us about Harry? Well, uh, well, I have to tell about Harry first that I really like his work, uh, his explorative work. Like, I I really like the things that he, he did that he had never, people had never done before. Mm -hmm. He was one of the pioneers of working with multiple exposures and with extreme developing modifications of the pictures because apparently a lot of the things that we're going to do is final prints and mm -hmm. this is basically the work how he envisioned it but when you see the negatives of the photos that came to be are completely a different thing so I read that there was an overview of his work maybe a few years ago an exhibition with more than 100 pieces and what they did very nicely was it was not only about his work it was his work and life and process and how he used to work so they brought up a lot of the negatives of the prints that you were seeing there mm -hmm. and a little bit of explanation of how he worked with each one of them. And then you could see how crazy changes were happening from what it was on the negative to what it was actually the print ended up being. And just to say everything that you're seeing here, apparently he was a big detractor of uh, cropping on the darkroom. So he really didn't crop his photos. He would just discard a photo if he really didn't like what he got out of out of the camera when it comes to composition and then do it again and over again and he was really known for repetition work he would settle on a subject he would go out and he would over and over and over again try to approach it from different angles from different attitudes in different times and then even forget it for a little while focus on another thing and then come back to that subject and explore it again explore it both going out and shooting but also on the developing stage in the in the dark room and i think his work is just top notch i really like it yeah i mean look at this 1945 it's a really really beautiful minimalist uh photo that i'm looking at right mm -hmm. now um yeah, but it's crazy to me that he's against cropping yeah. while doing all that weird stuff in the darkroom as well. Which So like uh, one of the photos that we already looked at, uh -huh. like this one, for example. That's a multiple exposure, I think. Is it, is it a, so is it a multiple exposure in the camera or is it a multiple exposure in the darkroom? That I don't think I have actually read. Because? I think it might have been. I think a mix of both because I know that some of the photos because if you're saying that they, if they look completely different yeah than the negative yeah so maybe then the negative was a single exposure that was m then combined with other negatives to perhaps make it. i didn't read this because especially this, about that, this one it looks like a like a, a place in the street mm -hmm. where like there's a contrast somewhere where the sun is hitting and the darkness around it and there you can see b different people mm -hmm. passing by. So it's not the same human uh, sub subjects uh, in every exposure. So it could be a multiple exposure where he's moving the camera between yeah. exposures. But it could be the same exposure over and over and over. And then... Put it together in different parts. I think the first option 
for what I read of his process and the way that he was working kind of fits more his motto, so to speak, mm -hmm. because he also did a lot of uh, explorations with light painting or of moving light through the camera exposure, mm -hmm. which kind of played like it would be similar to, okay, now I take this photo here, I move my camera and I take another yeah, photo here. Like the first one we looked yeah, at, exactly. this assuming is this is this a single source of light, yeah. it has to be a multiple exposure after and there is movement in between. Yeah, yeah. I, th I think, but of course, I anything goes, so to speak, even though cropping was not really on the <laughs> on the books. Um, he, he he discovered photography quite early on, but back in the days, or at least even though he had, was doing really cool work, the artistic part of photography didn't really serve as a, a as a way of living. So he was also doing a lot of commercial work, mm -hmm. like a lot of the photographers we talk about, and he started photography like many of us, by joining a photo club, mm -hmm. like just around the place where he was working on living. And this was the early, I would say, 50s or so. I have to stop you for a second no and problem. say, this is a really beautiful composition. I, I, that's one of my favorite ones. Right? Yeah. The way the, the human, the subject, is like all the way down and you have this open space. Yeah, so... Uh, what we're seeing here is um, it's his wife, mm -hmm. and his wife is a subject that repeats all over his whole career. Um, it was an inspiration and a muse, and as I said, he explored certain subjects over and over and over again. And uh, Eleanor is was the na her name. Mm -hmm. It was one of them. And some of the photos are just beautiful. The thing is that people used to say he was a very different kind of photographer because he was a like a homeboy of sorts. He was very focused into looking inwards and, and using photography to represent their lives. And apparently this is what he used to teach because mm -hmm. he ended up being a photography teacher. He used to say to the, his students that, uh, that to look, kind of look inside, that take photos of your life or things that are happening around you. Don't look for the outside thing or the foreign thing to you because you have much more power on representing what is close to you. Mm -hmm. And I, and he actually led by example, by by taking photos of his life. His wife and his, his daughter are in many of the photos. This is a human here, right? Yeah, that's his wife as well. But apparently, this is one of the ones that the negative is like it's been it's been printed with such a high contrast yeah. that is nowhere. So I'm wondering where is she? Where is she in outer space? Like right. how is everything <laughs> black? But it has to be in post. Yes, it yes. is. It is. Um, so uh, yeah, I actually made a note here. Um, well, where is it? Sometimes I make so many notes I cannot even find them later. Uh, sorry, me interrupting you no doesn't problem. help. No problem. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was just talking about how how he was telling his students yeah to just like look inwards and mm -hmm. and use in inspiration of your everyday and uh, the thing is that uh, this is a curious part. Um, as I said, he came into this photo club. And he wasn't really so keen on the type of photography and the sentiments of the people in the photo club because they were very much into this, ama he used to call it the amateur view of photography and the pictorialism again. Mm -hmm. And he was like dissatisfied. He wasn't really seeing something he was liking, even though he, he liked the idea of, of being a photographer and taking photographs. And then one day, Mr. Ansel Adams came and gave a talk at their photo club. And Ansel Adams was saying... Um, that photography 
in its own terms, not as I would be painting, and with its own limitations is what should be the core of photography. We have talked about that. This mm -hmm. is a sentiment of the group F64, right? Mm -hmm. And that a photograph should be a clean, sharp, highly detailed description of an external world with a carefully delineated, continuous tonal range. This is how Ansel Adams said what photography should be, you know? And photographing simple things such as nature at, at our feet is just as valid as creating spectacular images mm -hmm. of big things, you know? Like, this is the sentiment. And when uh, Her Harry uh, heard this, it's like, yeah, like, I don't have to follow what all these other people are doing about these dream worlds or um, pictorialist type of photography. I want to do this kind of work. So this is, like, one way. But then he also got super inspired by a guy called Laszlo Mahoney-Nagy, which was a super experimentalist artist and was just, like, telling him that he should actually... Uh, create a new and inventive kind of photography uh, and then is when he started to choosing a subject going out and trying crazy things with it which it could be crazy but now they're not so crazy but you know double exposures light painting seeing things very close or very far out putting the subjects in ways that completely lose context of, of where they are so he's this mix of something super true to life sentiment that comes from Ansel Adams' teachings, but also this realm of experimentation and let's try to do something that has never been seen before, which is where these pieces of art come from. I mean, I'm looking at some, most of these photographs and I'm like, how, what am I even looking at? How the hell? Like, this, look at this one. What yeah. is this? It looks like grass on snow or something like it that. It is grass on snow. So these are, these are actually... Oh, actually, the title is right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is actually another piece of, of uh, quirky uh, information. He photographed plants in the snow, trying to respond to Adam's demand for something real, like mm -hmm. something that exists, something that is there. And he spent a lot of time photographing them and then doing prints. And he was completely unhappy with the true-to-life uh, representation of the photos he was taking. But then he decided to print a negative at a high contrast to get a fresh image that is a, mi a mixture between figuration and abstraction. And then he's like, yes, this, this is what I want to do. This, this, now this photo speaks to me. Now this haunts me and it stays with me. Now they're super true-to-life. Uh, printing or like uh, copying of the negative mm -hmm. so he decided to go super high contrast and there's another photo a lot of photos from his work yeah there's a that series is. that we're gonna yeah. reach uh, yeah. later he did a lot of work in uh, Chicago as well yes he did a lot of work there what is this oh these are leaves yes so cool yeah actually it reminds me um, uh, because when I selected this photo I was rushing so I didn't I, I just looked at the frame from afar mm -hmm. and I really liked it but I didn't zoom in to see what it is. And I was like, this could be anything. Do you remember a few episodes back, we were talking about Christoph uh, Morlinghaus and he does a lot of these... Uh, super big. Uh, uh, yeah, like really big frames of super small thing. Are they people or are they... Yeah. And there was one with people and there was another one with uh, toys. Toys, yeah. And I was like, I'm curious like, to get to this photo now yeah. to see what it is and uh, look at it. It's just leaves in the fall. Yeah, leaves in the fall, yeah. But it's really cool. I, I mean, this one, uh, to me, it that's, it has a good tonal range. I don't think there is mm -hmm. like crazy uh, contrast, exposure, or like work on the darkroom. I, I mean, it's to, already a crazy it frame is, to begin exactly, with. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't need, need to... A lot of, but the ones on the snow, and they're just like, 
so cool yeah i selected a a few things you know a bit different yeah that's good yeah um let's see what else we have here this one is really cool mm-hmm. um here i know somebody's gonna love these two <laughs> can you guess who it is yes tim yeah <laughs> uh these what are these are they wires Or, yeah, yeah telephone wires mm-hmm. again he did a bunch with telephone wires i think he was really this minimalist type of uh, line work also mm-hmm. it's really it's really nice it reminds me of other things that exist in painting as well mm-hmm. <laughs> tim is just me saying in the <laughs> chat yep uh let's see what else so i selected some uh, color work as well mm-hmm. oh yeah I, i actually completely rushed over the color work not because it's not good it's also really good but i really like his early work yeah this is a dye transfer print mm-hmm. uh, in kansas city uh, and i'm assuming that it was uh, what would you say it was shot on uh f- look at the red <laughs> yeah ectachrome no the sorry kodachrome. Kodachrome. yeah it's a very high contrast and the red is looks like Kodachrome to me, I mean, could be anything. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think from the pho- uh, photogra- the photographers that we've been l- looking at every mm-hmm. week, I'm starting to kind of learn what the Kodachrome look is. <laughs> And I, I like this one too, it does seem that way. Oh, this one had another one. I can't click it because I saved the, f- the page. Mm-hmm. Too bad, we're never gonna know what it was. Uh, really cool. It's a double exposure as well. Yep. Um, let's see. And this is a multiple exposure uh, as well. And I think it's more than one. Three, at least. Mm-hmm. Three exposures. There's like so dynamic and and I don't think it's that easy to make multiple exposures to fall right on the composition. You know what I mean? Like yeah. You really need to think about... Definitely. I think it, it takes a lot of pre-meditation to yeah. you can't just wing it i think you have to basically if i would have if i were to do something like this mm-hmm. i would have to and do it like because you know the this camera uh, the olympus it has a really really cool uh, multiple yeah. exposure setting i don't know if other digital cameras have it my fuji does yeah mm-hmm. so when you take a multiple exposure it shows it on the screen with the like Very faint. L- low opacity mm-hmm. And then you see your next shot under it, so you can frame. So I used to like take a photo, and then I see whatever whatever I took, and then I can align the next one. But with this one, I'm assuming that you had to move the camera. Maybe if you're shooting with a large format camera, maybe you're using the tilt shift, because I see. I mean, the elements in the in the shot are the same; they're just moved. So maybe he just used the shift function. So maybe he was like, okay, I will, this would be, it's kind of like uh, sitting, uh, setting up um, follow focus or whatever it's called, the cinema stuff. The, you know, the AB point. Yeah, so yeah. The, the, when you're working with cinema cameras, you have the focusing computer thingy and uh, you can e- either have a human who does it and they know where what they're going to switch to or they you can have it automated where you can be like, okay, so this is my point a mm-hmm. and then you change the focus to the next point and you can switch between them with the button so i'm thinking this is kind of a similar thing mm-hmm. if you're using a large format with the shift so you set up your point a maybe you mark it somewhere or because you know they have a, yeah. a lining up um, like a ruler mm-hmm. so like, okay i'm gonna start on one i'm gonna end it on two 
you go back and forth, mm -hmm. double check, or maybe I'm gonna take one photo on two, one photo on zero, one photo on minus two. That's the ruler for the shift on a large format camera. For those of you who are familiar yeah. with large format, large format cameras. Uh, the, for this photo, actually, what uh, is strange to me is that on the right side you see that sign on the on the facade. Mm -hmm. you can read it perfectly and you don't see any overlapping of that one the words yeah yeah it's it is cool although there is you see there is two lines right yeah like there's one word on top yeah and there's one word on the bottom mm -hmm. hold on a second it's the same word which one there's only one on the, on the white wall yeah on the white wall yeah what are, what does it say I, I, I can't see. I can't see. I can't read. No, it's... This is a problem. I don't think you can see. Yeah, but then there is... A, ah, uh, yeah, in the Irving, then it's on the bottom, it's also the same word, Irving. So it's not only changing sideways, but it's also changing downwards. I have no idea yeah. what's going on here. <laughs> because... It's just so cool. And I then can't the, and keep then this, looking at it. I can't the, stop this, looking at it. Okay, uh, you're looking at the one in the... In, the white uh, writing yeah, on the, the dark back yeah. background. Okay, I'm talking about the black writing on the white background. Yeah, it's the same word. But why why is that one repeating and that one is not repeating? It is repeating. Oh, it's just a single time. Yeah. Okay. So they, he also moved it like exactly, this. Exactly, this is what I mean. It's not only like that, but it's also, it's like chuk, 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 chuk. So he played with both the rise and fall and so. shift. Yeah. Assuming that he was working with a large format camera. I don't know, actually. I actually, there was not so much data about the cameras. What cameras he was using. I always look for that. <laughs> I mean, I'm assuming because, I mean, given the time he was working. That's 40 something. So this is 19. Yeah, I could have used a, a smaller camera. Um, he actually. What is happening here? Look at this one. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's this has to be manipulated in the dark room. I will refuse to believe anything else. <laughs> it's a multiple exposure in the dark room because look, I mean no, not necessarily. Yeah, this is like against the sky. Yeah. But what is this line here? You see this because this is upright and then the at the bottom is like downwards. Mm -hmm. So the camera or the film was flipped yeah you know the whole thing was rotated upside down anyways whatever it is it's cool <laughs> i don't think people like it when i do this on the show <laughs> so i'm just gonna i'm gonna move on uh again we he going back to some minimal work i really like this kind of stuff where you just use the lines around you like whatever like anything yeah just walls, make the lines fall uh, you know together yeah uh, pipes, any installations. I love making photos with these. Um, I mean, his his photographic method was pretty simple. He would go out every morning and walk in the city and take a lot of pictures during the morning. Then he would come home, he would have lunch, and he would go to the dark room and spend all the afternoon in the dark room. Mm -hmm. Every day. Every day. Every week. He only came up with about 12 pictures a year. That's crazy. That's, that's the, of, of the ones that he would say, these are something that 
I consider a finished piece of work, yeah. right? Like, and and even though he was very in love with his photography, he wasn't a person to be flashy about the work he was doing. Apparently, people accounts say that he had his photos in in a closet at home. He wouldn't have a lot of photos around at home. He was something a bit private for him. When he had his first solo exhibition in the MoMA, which was, uh, it happened because contacts and people of people knowing people. A lot of people were saying that he was it was too much to have an exhibition so big for a person that was doing this kind of work. They were over intellectualizing his work. He would say like, "No, I'm a I'm a normal dude. I'm just taking photos and doing whatever I feel like." You know, he was like super down to earth in that regard. But he would only consider about twelve to fifteen pieces of finished work per year, even though he used to go out almost every day to take photos that's incredible amount of work and that's what it takes to make something different and you know like i mean i definitely respect that yeah uh, we talk a lot about like being intentional with your work being selective with your work and this is you know uh the thing is that even though he only thought about you know this as finished work you know when he passed away and there's his legacy and all the work that he left behind the account is about hundred thousand negatives and about ten thousand uh, proof prints yeah, but uh, proof prints it means day. like i know i know yeah. uh, like ten thousand proof prints these are all the work like ongoing work you know mm. this is like you print something you see how it is you think about how do i want to modify it now what do i want to do with it do i want to go back and shoot the same thing how do i want to shoot it all this work over and he took pictures of three subjects people nature and buildings that was mostly it you know and that's enough the gallery we just uh, finished browsing is called wheat studies yeah um and it's the uh, same as the one we talked before basically shooting weeds in the snow yeah it's super nice i really love it that really series. cool i really like the collection like i want to be able to see it all together put together in the yeah. wall and yeah Again, buildings with like just lines and making them line up. This, this I really liked. Oh, uh, this I I also read about this. Okay. The stories of this. Uh, so he, w one of these times changing subjects, he yeah. wanted to photograph women. That mm -hmm. was kind of like the overall overarching theme. He was I want to photograph women. He would go out and he would to t take you know portraits or. And then he realized that what he really wanted to photograph or get from from photographing women was photos of them lost in their thoughts as they were walking about. And he started shooting these photos. This one definitely hits the mark on that. And he, and here is when I read about that he didn't want to crop his photos either because he would really intentionally do these photos with like cut heads and. He, Either it was it happened in camera or it would be a, a out photo for him. So all these photos that you're seeing here, these are not crops. These are how he envisioned them as he was walking about and taking photos of people. I'm assuming these are then uh, 35 millimeter yeah. because the aspect ratio. Yeah. But uh, like a heavy compression on these. Mm -hmm. Maybe it was a long lens. Yeah, either that or super, super wide aperture. But still, no, he has a decent depth of field, but heavy compression. Must yeah. have been a, a long lens. Yeah, I think so. Uh, they're really cool. Hi, Chronic. He just came in. Yeah. Hi. Yeah, I mean, I keep forgetting that we stream on Thursday, uh, Tuesdays Tuesday. as well. <laughs> like now, I, I 
I'm telling you, my whole, like, the rest of my week is messed up because I wake up tomorrow thinking it's Saturday and, you know, I just chill, you know, like, no planning. The week is over now for me. But I think I'm I'm, I'm slowly getting used yeah. to it. Uh, yeah, and uh, one more oh, telephone okay. wires. Mm-hmm. Uh, so cool. I, I, yeah, there's so much potential on all these like lines that you see around. I really recommend anybody listening to us, maybe one day that you go out, try to explore this kind of photography. Yeah. Try to look at the lines and this, you know, these very structuralized things that we have around and try to play with them and get them. Maybe you are surprised about what you get. Hmm? Uh, for sure. Uh, today he could uh, Chris is saying today he could take photos of people lost in their smartphones well there is a Swedish photographer yeah that uh, did exactly that hold on let me let me do you want I'll, I'll go grab the book can you keep the conversation <laughs> going keep the conversation and this was actually a kind of nice story because we so Jimmy and I like to when we're in the city to go to the second hand shops not to only look for cameras which we also do if we find some cool camera we might uh, snatch it but we also browse always the book section on the art section and see if there's any photography books that might be you know in- inspirational or sometimes you find really nice books that I've been looking for for some time and uh, we found this book and I just I went to grab it because it was on the art section but also because it was red and it was just very flashy book from all the books that were there and I get it and I start browsing it and I'm like this uh, when I open it's like oh these photos are in Stockholm like because you know it might not be Hans the title is Mobilism which is in English and the author is Hans Malm right uh, I have to double check in the Hans Malm. Yes. Yeah, so it kind of didn't strike Swedish to me, but I opened the book and all the photos are in Stockholm. I'm like, I know this place, I know this place. And the whole book is about the fact that people are on the phones all the time. So all the photos are about people looking at their phones or interacting with their phones in one way or another. And it's, this one is so, it's cool. so cool. There is extremely tasteful street photography. Because the majority of the photos are, you know, people don't really seem to be noticing that they are being photographed. And it's just really nice work. But the coolest thing about the book is not only that, is that the book is signed by the author. Yeah. (laughs) In the middle, there is a little bit of text uh, explaining, you know, the concept of the project and all that. And it says, thank you, Hansman. So we got an original copy of a photo book signed by the author. Yeah, did we find his Instagram? Uh, I found, I think I found a website. Yeah. Not sure, I Instagram per se. I mean, check him out. Go give him some love. Hans it's a really, really cool book. Yeah, I was surprised. You know, sometimes you just find, and I had no idea about him before. I have not really seen his work. Um, but I'm so happy that we found it. We should talk to him. Yeah, uh, that was the plan kind of, to try to find his mm-hmm. uh, contact information. Those of you who ever been to Sweden definitely recognize this place. I, I have a couple of photos of, because that... that I have a thousand photos that, uh, of this place. The floor, I really like it because yeah. of the... I used pattern. to go study in the building, yeah. like looking down on that. So whenever I want to take a break from studying, I'll just pull up the camera and start shooting down. Th- this is the this is the place where Jimmy and I could have met in an alternative universe. Yeah. Because apparently we were hanging out in the same place. Uh, it's the Kulturhuset. Kulturhuset and not knowing of each other. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So CM is always 
helping us with the uh, information. Uh, I think this is about Harry um, Callahan. Callahan. Yeah. Uh, he had an 8x10 Deerdorf, Deerdorf and a 35mm camera according to the internet. Cool. Thank you. Nice. Uh, yeah. So that makes sense. I mean, but again, so here's here's the thing. If he had an 8x10, then that cropping stuff you were talking about earlier doesn't make sense because a lot of the photos that we looked at were not 8x10 format. Hmm. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, so let's see another comment from Chris. Okay. I am an engineer, so I admire lines, but landscape and animals in the end of the day are my favorites. What can beat nature? Who can beat nature? Uh, who can beat nature? Um, well, yeah, I uh, I mean, yeah, d- different people have different tastes. I really am more of a, apparently I like brutalism. As an architectural, yeah, yeah like, I like. I don't like curvy buildings. He likes I like the massive, uh, super thick and uh, and in your face buildings. Yeah, I, I really. There is a YouTube channel that is really cool. It's called Bold and Bankrupt, right? <laughs> it's really cool. Like I binged that channel when the first uh, the you know the quarantine began last year. And thanks to Sham, who's with us in the chat as well, for <laughs> for telling me about the channel. Uh, it's a really, really cool channel. It's a guy, again, bold and bankrupt. Uh, he's bold. He's bold and, <laughs> and he, he got bankrupt. He's not bankrupt anymore. I don't, I don't think, think anymore. So, <laughs> uh, so he, deci- he started filming like these um, uh, travel videos. And uh, where was it? The and whole USSR. He, well, he started in India and uh-huh, then he I started see. doing, because he speaks Russian, yeah. So I started going to uh, the, this Russia and all the, the former Soviet former, republics. Yeah. yeah. So like places like Armenia, uh, Ukraine, all of the pre- previous Belarus. Belarus, Belarus. Yeah. <laughs> and he just travels there with a GoPro and he just films around, you know. And he's he really knows the stuff about history of the place. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's really cool. Check it out. But for me, you can learn a lot. Yeah, that's true. I just. I'm just looking at the buildings and the colors of the interiors and I'm just, I really want to go there and take photos someday. And there are so many all rundown buildings that they still show all the history they had in them. Like they have not really changed much. Something about the way they built stuff is just, would you, would you call that stuff brutalist? I don't know. I mean, I'm it's really a communist, uh, yeah, the, the, you know, the typical Soviet buildings, which are like massive, very square. They had something so powerful about them. Like, ah, oh, this yeah, is... Yeah, they really are, they are there. Like, yeah. this is what it is. It's like, a, I mean, Soviets, functional buildings that yeah. we're doing as well, you know. Yeah, I don't, I don't like smart buildings or, yeah. Yeah, like that one. Overly smart buildings. Like that one, you keep looking at every time we pass by it. The one that looks like a T from one side yeah, and a square a, from the other side. What I don't is it particularly called? enjoy it. Is is the Shista Skandik, the Skandik Hotel in Shista? Yeah, it's a cool building because it like kind of tricks it, you. It, it's all. It's all glass. glass. I don't like glass buildings either. It's so weird because I always think people in there are gonna die of heat. That's my first <laughs> thought when I look at it. Uh, uh, Grayscape.com Okay, we'll check it out. We'll check it out. Uh, for the for you listening, uh, Chronic Fish is telling me that they also do love brutalist architecture. That I must check out, grayscape.com. I will definitely do. Thank you for the tip. 
yeah so yeah did we did we show all the photos we wanted to show from I'm not sure. from when her? i went to armenia i was able to see firsthand you yeah, know and also it's crazy that a lot of the infrastructure built back then has not really been touched up at all since the ussr fell yeah no maintenance nothing people are living in buildings that i swear to you when i put foot on it i'm like this is gonna just crumble any moment <laughs> it feels like that like yeah. they like you know it, it is very sad because you know people need to live in safe conditions yeah. but things are just like it's like time stopped it's like people are living in a place where time stopped it's crazy it's definitely super eerie yeah. a lot of the stuff and I mean, a lot of abandoned things as well yeah. all the factories that they used to have everything completely shut down uh a lot of nature has taken over from a lot of places it's just crazy it's really cool very interesting to look into but yeah it feels like uh, you see a lot of stuff about chernobyl and yeah. the area where mm. where it was mm -hmm. he also traveled there uh, mr bolt uh, that's how he is known yeah. on the internet um so he went there but the feeling is across the whole former soviet union it's yeah. almost the same thing as that place except for like that place is a very abandoned you know and uh, overgrown vegetation mm -hmm. there are some people still living yeah. in in that area um but um the the same feeling without the vegetation uh, and more population is uh, the series as well. yeah mm -hmm. so it's really really cool uh, for me that's something that is really fascinating because we're so isolated from it in a way uh, for me i think i talked about this before my favorite thing about photography is that a, fo a photo can capture a whole story in one frame mm -hmm. it and maybe sometimes you can do it with more frames to emphasize the point but it's just so powerful that you can capture a whole story with a single frame it doesn't have it not just a story you can capture emotions you can capture so many things in a single frame mm -hmm. and the way the reason why i also like street photography is because it's just that uh, it's not it's not premeditated in the sense that uh okay i want you to stand over here it's, it's, not, well, prepared, it's yeah. not prepared it's just happening and you're getting it's it. what's happening yeah uh but then when you look at stuff like buildings, even though they're there every day, they're the same thing every day. Well, you know, when you when you go and see a building, a historic building, it there's you're just looking at a bunch of construction, but it's it's kind of like a powerful photograph. But things have happened. You know, this is what it is like. Th things have happened before and, and after. Will happen after. You know, yeah. like the reason why, like let's say the whatever building, like let's say I don't know any famous building, the pyramids. You go to the pyramids and then like, okay, so something crazy must have happened to people to, to end up with this gigantic monument. I mean, with the pyramids, we don't even get started there you because know what it's I mean? just like, what? Yeah. So it's crazy. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so powerful. And the fact that you can play with it with a camera as well and extract stuff from it is really nice but then you can even go to the mundane stuff like any building any one of the photos we were looking at with the line with the lined up windows and they were broken mm -hmm. uh again i'm trying to be like more i try i feel like sometimes we with the show stalls a little bit when we're looking at photos mm -hmm. especially for the people listening mm -hmm. 
and even if you're watching you might like put it to the side and just listen to us talk so i'm trying not to post too much on photos but uh i'm trying i'm gonna try to bring it up actually uh bring it up back again um you feel something is not just the way that it's aligned it's also Tim says he has to go. Bye, Tim. And I also asking if you are out of focus. Me? I'm sure if you are out of focus. You weren't out of focus before. No, maybe, maybe when, I, when I moved yeah. uh, a little bit. I'm trying to find that photo. It's so the one with the, the building. Found it. Yeah, nice. So, like, looking at this photo, there is so much to extract here as well. And, you know, imagine standing next to a big print of this, Right. Uh, what I love about this photo is how the shadows are embedded on the picture as well. Yeah, I mean, the tonality is really beautiful. Yeah. But look at all the broken windows. Look at how they fixed some windows with just like closet doors or whatever. There are wood panels here or something. And then, you know, it's it's a, it's something. There's a, It's not just a single moment. It's It is a single moment that inside it's like a zip file yeah you know and then you open it and there's a lot of <laughs> stuff you know there if given context this could be like something with a tragic fascinating story mm -hmm. you, you, know? you know when when people ask me sometimes you know this game of like if you could just like be born in another time or space or you could just go to somewhere else where would you go or what's the reason and so on and i always think like i would like to go and see how how it was life on on buildings or or structures built that now they are not what they were meant for like for example all castles or like the alhambra in spain of the pyramids or the pyramids in in central america i would love to just like go there and pick to see how did people have normal lives around these big buildings mm -hmm. Because I, it's so curious to me now for us, they're monuments, right? But when they were made or when they were used, they weren't really maybe monuments. They were just like places where people live and did their stuff and they were part of the day-to-day -day lives. And to me, it's just like, I would really like to see how how life looks around these same buildings that now we photograph or we experience in a particular way, how it was when it wasn't like that. That would be super cool. And I would really like to go see all these like cool places. <laughs> how did you how did you sum up that the OOF is out of focus? I think it's a common. Is it? Yeah, I think so. I need to keep up with the times. <laughs> I think I don't know. <laughs> it's it's a, it's such a weird thing to say. Uh, CM is saying Bold and Alina are so funny. I'm assuming Alina is his friend. Um, yeah, CM, we like the same things on YouTube. <laughs> Would you hang out? Yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, the, uh, you gotta watch whoever is not watched the thing. You gotta watch the Cuba ones. To, the Cuba? Uh, yeah, the Cuba. Have you seen them? I don't think I have. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think you have seen the most of them. The ones I remember is the, the, was it the one in Belarus that he goes to three cities in one day to have beer? one beer in every city? Yeah. That was yeah, a I good think one. That was I don't want to make it to the last city. That was a good one. Yeah. And also I like how he is like, oh, I'm going to go to this most dangerous neighborhood of this city. And it's like, maybe is it going to be that dangerous as people say? Like, he's always so sassy about those things. It's kind of funny. It's true. 
yeah, I mean, but it helps that I mean, he's saying it, but he looks like a no, exactly. he looks like a mobster. He's <laughs> tall and bald and wearing sunglasses. But you know, he's with a GoPro in his hand all the time. You know. Yeah, like, but still, he looks scary. Yeah, it doesn't matter it does. if you see a scary guy with the with a GoPro. You're not gonna make fun of him. <laughs> <laughs> also he speaks russian so yeah. a big tall and guy who speaks russian also, yeah. Yeah. that's true in mexico he does speak spanish yeah. okay this turned out to be a promo for bank bold and bankrupt i don't care um you know i really enjoy people who are putting out uh, really nice things mm-hmm. uh but anyways what do you think should we call it a day for today Sure, I don't know how long we've been online because my internet is weird. I, it says like we started streaming 97 seconds ago. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's we've been on for a, exactly 120. Oh, interesting, nice. Yeah, yeah no, I, I don't have anything else to bring up today. Um, I don't think so. Uh, just that I am looking forward to start bringing up people now that we seem to have a stable stream. I mean, yeah, the episodes are shorter than usual, but um, I guess you know putting an end to it uh i'm still scared kind of for the for, for the stream to to drop off but all the readings on my computer seem to be all right mm-hmm. uh, which is usually the case but still we lose the stream <laughs> and i've been i've been watching you know i've been watching um Win, uh, uh, winter Gotham. Winter Gotham, yeah and he does like six eight hour streams every day with multiple cameras and zoom and nothing goes wrong yeah i don't know i think that might have been just a small bug that we suffer from i'm so um, jealous <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyways i think it, it will be fine i hope so yeah by the way guys we mentioned it last week tim is gone now but i'm gonna mention it anyway on the um, on tim's server uh, on discord uh, film photography is not dead is in the description did you fix the link by I the fixed way the link. thank you so much yeah. uh, because yeah the link died last week because I don't know what he did with it. And now I need to change all the other 100 videos. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, (laughs) if you're on Discord or you're not, maybe you want to join, check out that server because there is a competition, photo contest running. It's a bi-monthly, so it goes for two months. Uh, Anonymous posts, uh, we're going to be judging and announcing the winner on the show. Uh, So far, you know, some people have posted, but, you know, there's uh, a lot of time. Keep them coming. I want to I wanna look at nice photos. And then we're going to look at them all together, right? Maybe. I don't know. At least the winner is going to be announced here. But yep. it would be nice to look at some other photos as well, maybe. Absolutely. I think there, there are going to be um, uh, honorable mentions as well. Like mm-hmm. there's going to be a winner and a bunch of honorable mentions. Um, yeah. But I think that's it for today. Yes. Uh, as always, thank you so much for watching. We hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, make sure if you have uh, Instagram to follow us there so you can leave questions. We usually put the questions one day before the show. So if you have anything, uh, send it there. And if not, uh, you can always send us emails. The email is in the description as well. If you have any questions, uh, if you want suggestions, CM, I got your suggestion from last week about a photographer. It's coming uh, probably next week. Uh, so if you have, if you have your favorite photographer, anything you want us to share, uh, if you're working on something cool and you want to come and hang out with us as well, uh, contact us by email or Instagram. We would love to see your work and have you on the show and le- learn about your interests. Yes, for sure. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So that's it for today. I hope you have a nice rest of the week, and we'll see you next time. Bye, bye, guys. Bye.